welcome to ActCore, all the colours of racism. The aim of this podcast is to highlight the lesser known aspects of racism, presenting an alternative view. We hope to shed light on casual racism and aspects of this society may have previously overlooked. We want you to reflect on your opinions and think, why? Why do you have this opinion? And is it justified? And what is it society classifies as either racist or not racist? Where do we draw the line? This is Atcor. Racism is not just black and white. Hi, my name is Hamza Hussain and welcome to the first episode of the Atcor podcast. ACCOR stands for All the Colours of Racism and this podcast aims to shed light on the lesser spoken about aspects of racism and give an alternative view from which you can base your opinion on. This first episode is going to focus on the experiences of minorities in independent schools and with me I have a guest who will be hopefully able to part their experience and they might like to introduce themselves now. Yeah, good afternoon, Hamza. Yeah, I'm Alex. I'm deputy head at school, the school that Hamza goes to. Um, so I hope that I can we can engage in a in conversation and, and just chat about some of the issues. Cool, cool. So I'm going to give a bit of a background first. So my name is Hamza. I go to a boarding school. I have done so for the past five years now. I'm in my GCSE year. Um, the demographic of the school, I'd say, is majority white. And so me coming in as someone from a minority background, there's sometimes been an element of isolation. And so that's why I've chosen to speak on this topic specifically. And so what I want to start with is how we as a school community responded to the summer of 2020 with the um, George Floyd incident and the sort of response that came out of that good good starting point Hamza if, if I can come in and, and quite honestly what, what a sort of in a way quite a poignant day because I think the start of the, the trial the, the murder trial I think is starting today um, which again has taken us all back to the, the awful things that we that we saw happen that, that sparked um, all, all the problems last last year. Um, so ex- exactly the, the school's response. I think in some ways we it, it would have been relatively easy to come out with just a, sort of a, a narrative and say yes equality, yes we're going to look at that and do do things a little bit better. But uh, we we certainly wanted to go a, a little bit deeper into that and, and speak to our current pupils um, of all different backgrounds, speak to speak to our pupils, speak to our former pupils uh, and really listen to what their experience was because that, to be honest, is it's, it's one thing if you're an independent school and, um, and you, you can sometimes look at look at it through a certain lens and it's, it's good to try and understand it from all different points of view. So we, we, we did um, do that, and um, we found that, that there were there were perhaps things we needed to move forward with um, as well, and then also um, 
as you know, one of the, the charities that supports um, borders largely in, in independent schools, they also did um, a, a fair piece of work, and, and that was quite hard hitting, uh, and that that does really make you realise that it's all very well saying yes, we've got the values and um, equality and, and things, but actually, when I think I think the, the research that the, the charity did was that I, that I think um, about half of um, Bay pupils had experienced racism from other other pupils in their schools. Not to, not to, at our school. This was against sort of uh, I think um, over over about a um, hundred different different pupils across the schools all over the country. So when, when you're hearing stats like that, it does make you sit up and realise that we've got uh, to to address address this. And I can perhaps maybe a bit later we can go on and talk about some more recent research that we've done here. Um, but yeah, it's 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 sort of. I think we thought we were in a relatively good position, but we're certainly not complacent and, and things we need, we need to move with the times and, and really look at things. Mm. I think I think the school that I go to had, or that we um, are at, did a fairly decent job at responding to um, 2020 and George Floyd, but there are certain elements that I think might have been counterproductive. So while we were quite active in our response, a lot of it was focusing on how can we change the behaviour of white peoples or peoples who would normally be seen as quote-unquote perpetrators and use that as a means of making um, minority students feel more comfortable. So I remember one of the conversations a lot of teachers were having with their students was about things like white privilege and me personally, I think those conversations can be quite counterproductive because they, they can isolate white students and sort of create an us versus them dynamic. And I feel like for a student who's never had any issues or has never perpetrated any type of racism, they shouldn't be made to feel as if they're inherently to blame. And so I believe a more productive approach would just to be about dialogue, dialogue, dialogue hearing the experiences of students and coming together and thinking how can we as a community move forward with both white and minority students and use that as the vehicle for progress? I, I, I would bro broadly, completely uh, agree with that and, and sadly as with uh, a lot of issues and it's, it's not um, only linked to the sort of Black Lives Matter and things and you're absolutely saying there's sort of um, saying, saying that every white young person is part of the, the problem. You, you, could, you could take that onto the issue um, today on, on sort of the everyone's invited and, and the Sarah Everard. I don't think anybody genuinely would say that every man is a threat um, to a woman. Um, and it has with all these cases, sadly, the minority end up being the ones that cause the problem and we, we've got to address these issues whether whether it's a gender issue whether it's a race issue or a socio-economic issue it's sadly I, I, so so the idea of having the dialogue i think andrew is, is an absolutely that, a, a brilliant way that's that's less intrusive people are then more more likely to engage with the, the real problems rather than the superficial sort of um, scratching scratching the surface um and, and we we keep going on as, as a school, we, we are a school that, that prides itself on, on a value, as a values-driven sort of education. And actually on some of these issues, it makes it quite easy to tackle some of those if you keep focused and you think, right, the values are going to drive what we're going to do, um, rather than necessarily 
um, re- responding to something and, and blaming. There, of course, there's a time for blaming. If if, if somebody's behaving poorly, then they, they, that's got to be ta- tackled and challenged the, 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 the behaviour. Um, but I think certainly having an open dialogue in which everyone is coming together for, for to create a community that I think every single one of us would would, would rather live in. Mm. It definitely is a situation where sort of long-term education is required that starts from the bottom up all the way from the the younger years in the school through to sick form. You want to sort of be building building up with this idea of not only tolerance, but understanding and critical thought, especially being able to take things like media, which nowadays can be quite polarised and quite opinionated and equipping students with the skills they need to analyse those those articles and those um, even podcasts and things like that just to make sure that their opinions aren't based on rhetoric but on, on the facts and the realities of the situations presented? Absolutely. Again, you couldn't, couldn't, you, you couldn't be uh, more... Uh, perceptive in, in that and I think what's quite interesting is um, even uh, I think it was this year's Safer Internet Day I think um, one of the threats of the, the, the internet wasn't wasn't so much I think the days of stranger danger and, and, and pupils learning to be sort of look after themselves online I think those days are, are gone now but actually I, I think there's a real twist to um, scrutinise what you see on the news and picking up on the sort of the the, um, the narrative from the, that came from the United States uh, sort of a couple of years back about fake news, I think it's absolutely essential in, in society at the moment, which does strike to me on, on certain occasions can become quite polarised in their, in their views. So really, really scratching underneath the surface and um, researching what the narrative is, I, I think is absolutely important. It'd be, be really, really worrying if, if, if our society and the school community was purely just responding to um, views that are perhaps written online, which in some cases might not be that reflective of, of um, the real picture. Yeah, yeah. With our school in particular, I think the thing to focus on is that we do not have a big issue with outright racism, with overt racism but the things that we deal with are more subtle sometimes embedded in preconceived notions we we might deal with more things to do with things like bias and a lot of that stems back to the fear of the unknown so say for example um an incident that's come up uh during my time at the school is being told by members of staff that groups of sort of black students or brown students walking together can sometimes be seen as intimidating which is obviously not not the case and I don't think these people mean to be malicious it was more of a badly thought out comment based on the fear of the unknown that they the first thing they do is sort of associate groups of young black males or young black and brown males with a gang mentality etc and so what we as a community can do to combat that or to reverse those notions 
is the key to solving our type of our type of racism, our type of discrimination to create a more comfortable community for everyone. I think it goes without saying when we've spoken about this before, my heart sank when you told me that. And, and uh, it, I would, I'd like to think, I'm not saying I'd like to think there was no intent um, to, to be um, racist at all about that. But nevertheless, um, it, it's how that was perceived uh, by the students that, that it was perhaps said to. Um, I, I think it is worth getting underneath um, the issue there. And I think perhaps, if I can, maybe to give a bit of context, that as a, as a school, um, we support um, 10% of our pupils that have um, overcome some real hardship in, in their lives. And what, what we've always done um, in, in our history, we've, we've never treated those pupils any differently uh, to others. Once they come to the school, they are a school pupil. And uh, little things like everyone wears a school uniform, that's a leveller. And, and that's, that's, so that's our sort of historical context of, of where we've done that. I think over time, maybe some more of the, the, the pupils that we've, we've supported have come from different backgrounds um, and, and different ethnic backgrounds and things like that. And maybe we just need to keep moving with the time because otherwise, if you otherwise you have a group of borders that are all in the same place, and to be somebody be saying don't walk around because um, people think you're in a gas or that, that that's absolutely abhorrent, and, and, and I really think we need to to, to step on that. And, and I'd like to think that through different mechanisms within a school, either that there, there's there's adults that you can trust, or to be honest, other pupils that you can trust, but adults you can trust, to, to, to step up to that and, and tackle the issues. Sometimes it, it is purely, it is, it is wrong, but maybe sometimes to just educate and actually make people think a little bit more about um, what what they um, come up with. But I, but I think going underneath the issue uh, a little bit, Hamza, you'll, you'll be aware, because I, I shared it with you, that um, listened to a, um, a webinar by um, a, a teacher, English teacher, and he's doing an awful lot um, on curriculum design, Jeffrey Baracci. And one of the issues he, he, he came up with was that, that society, and, and perhaps schools maybe, fit into that, are a, bit, a little bit like a, a river flowing down. And on, on the surface, you might think there's equality and, and everything is good and the schools and everyone's aware of all the issues but the lower down and closer to the riverbed if, if, the, if the curriculum that has been, sort of is being studied is being really really shaped uh, by a sort of largely white history and then maybe there are some, some underlying currents in there that perhaps aren't at the surface need need to be addressed because it's it's probably if you address those you will ultimately then change the concept of those sort of awful comments that come out come out to the, uh, you you as a, as a group. Mm. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that because when we look at the sort of idea of fear of the unknown, it's a, it's just that the fact that they haven't been exposed to the history that sort of black communities or minority communities I've had in this country and they haven't really been exposed to the experience that we have so they haven't really been able to step in our shoes and likewise sometimes we haven't been able to step into their shoes and that's why there can be this divide where 
students or staff whatever might make these offhand comments just because they don't know any better and that's why curriculum reform in particular can be a great tool because from an early age it embeds an idea of a a diverse a, div- a diverse britain um a britain with people from many different backgrounds and understand that is that isn't a bad thing but also but instead something that we can gain a lot from not just in um the world of sports which is overrepresentative or like the only area that i can sort of think of on the spot that has a massive representation of people from all backgrounds but also in areas like business and technology and science and those areas are sometimes not talked about enough and that's where we as a school or, or exam board etc can make progress to reflect the reality of today yeah, yeah it, it, absolutely and, and to a certain extent yes maybe on a, on a, a really large-scale exam boards maybe but even so within within schools i, I do think there's a there is a bit of an inherent responsibility on schools to sort of develop a curriculum that really does reflect the pupils that are that are that are that are in there and, and uh, make make the, the curriculum more inclusive uh, from that point of view. So it's really interesting your your use of the word walking in other people's shoes because that's that I think is is central to this. I think um, certainly in schools and, and we're talking about independent schools. I think having the empathy and to walk in other people's shoes and to think ahead about what what it might be like to experience that. And I think um, perhaps we're, we're doing a little bit of work here of, of, sort of really really trying to, to help before pupils even join the school, um, but just to, to, to help them because for some, it might be a, a, a really big leap from, from the homes and communities they live in coming to somebody living, um, uh, being in an independent school, boarding independent school, for some, that's, that's a big sort of, some of our pupils are always living two lives. And I think that that's the more empathy we can have and to, to understand the issues, um, the, the better. And, and, and dare I say it, I, I suspect, I think probably the lockdown has, has really highlighted um, those, those two lives where I, I know some of our, our pupils, um, some of our boarding boarding pupils who, who might live in, in let's say more challenging, um, have more challenges at, at home, um, they don't want to turn their cameras on because because they they they, they don't want that to be seen. And, and likewise, I also know that some of them, some of our pupils who live in very very affluent homes and and huge huge bedrooms and things likewise they haven't wanted to turn their cameras on because of what that might say about them so so i think um actually this this issue has been pupils and i'm I'm eternally optimistic about the young of today i think they are aware of the issues here and it's, it's been sort of forced upon them through the lockdown that on the one on one level you're all supposed to be engaging in the same education but on the other level you suddenly haven't got the sort of the common experience in the school uniform of everyone being on site but you're all um, looking at it and this is this is clearly a, a, an issue nationally when you look at um, the government and, and maintain schools having to roll out IT provision and, and things for, for for all those pupils, and it's, it's not a um, it's not a, a race issue. That's a socio-economic issue. Just getting IT, but 
I think that these issues have come to the light, but the, the sort of the positive that I see in that, I, I'd like to think that society through these lockdowns has become more empathetic to each other. And now I think is a really good time to actually start addressing these issues and start um, coming back into schools and saying, what, what do we want as schools for the future where there is, there is no racism, there is no perceived racism or, or unfairness. You're integrated and everyone is going to be treated absolutely at face value, no matter um, um, where you live, your background or whatever. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's something that I can relate to with the lockdown and how that affected many people. I, I know that in my household, there was quite a lot of struggle, much more on a socioeconomic front than, than having anything to do with race. But it definitely was a time that highlighted the issues we have and perhaps gave us some insight into how we can improve that going forward for our students at our school and, and nationally. Just one point I'd like to touch on is we understand that at our school we might not have outright racism but we do have an issue with perhaps bias and offhand comments etc and talking about how some of our students respond to that, how they defend themselves in those situations. So I know for example many of our East Asian pupils from places like China, Japan, Korea etc can sometimes become the butt of the joke when they're in a group where they're the only one of their background. And so a way that many of these students deal with this is to then start making self-deprecating jokes in order to take the pressure off of them and come across as easygoing. And that's something that I personally think is much harder to deal with because it comes down to then a self-esteem issue and much more of a pastoral issue. And so I'd like to hear what you would, you might, how you might go about solving a situation like that. Yeah, and, I, I, you, you, and what, what you've said, I, I can sort of, I, I, can understand, I can understand that, and, and as you're, 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 you're right, I, I think um, it, it's probably by some of the issues not being tackled head, head on. I think um, what I, in, a, in a response to that I'd like to see, and, and we do a fair bit of it, but maybe not yet enough, of really engaging with, with some of these issues and, and whether it's, it's with, as you say, linked, linked towards Asian students or, and, and we don't we don't have many Asian students, but that perhaps makes it even more important that, that we've got to be um, empathetic. But no matter what, what issues, and, and even at the, at the moment, the issues of um, gen, gender that, that are going on at the moment in, in, in the media, might be made, but actually, I think to really engage with the issues um, and there and have uh, equip young people with with the skills to perhaps challenge not not necessarily in a confrontational way, but challenge the narrative, challenge the dialogue, rather than you say, rather than trying to rebalance things by self-deprecating. I think I think that's not actually attacking the issue at, at all. It's almost condoning it and accepting. That's the state of quote uh, because one sort of seemingly comment that's made there, oh, we balance it out with another comment, that's 
massive makes it okay. That's not okay at, at all. And I think um, we, we need to address that. But actually, I think that where, where that really comes from, that's, that's got to come from the students. And, and that's, I think, there's, it's incumbent on schools to, to empower some of the students and give them the right platform, the right voice to really tackle those issues. And I'd say that about um, anything. I, I think you could talk about it. It's far more powerful if students are talking about issues of mental health, for example, and their experience of it. That's far more powerful. It's far more powerful if it's about bullying. But it's coming from within the student body. It's only then that actually then students really feel empowered. Uh, and and it, it genuinely is something that nobody likes to have been to, to get told to do something by your teachers. I think we can all remember that where perhaps it's just a, 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 a maybe a, a slight sort of cheekiness of being a, a pupil that you want to sort of push against that a little bit actually. But, but when the change comes from within, and I think it's far more profound, and, and that's what I'd like to think, is rather than balancing up with a self-deprecating comment, I'd, I'd like to think we can empower students, and if they don't feel empowered, give them vehicles, and give them plenty of opportunities in which they can get a bit of support to address the issues. Um, and we've, as, as, as you know, Andrew, we've, we've got sort of an equality forum, and we've, we've had over the last couple of years all sorts of things where students are writing charters and pledges. Now, that's, that's, that's quite heartening when you see the number of pupils proactively wanting to say, right, I'm going to write something, I'm going to stand behind that, do that. But actually, it's, it's another thing to then make sure they're generally living their life um, according to those charters sort of on every minute of the day. Mm, that, that, that's, so on this podcast, our job is to sometimes give alternative opinions so when it comes to things like pledges, that's something that I personally find as as something that you might see as virtue signaling in some way, because I, I remember a few years back or two years back, we had a, a pledge against um, discrimination against LGBT persons. And we had a, a very large number of the student body who signed that and sort of pledged that they'd stand up to the issue to what extent those pledges were actually realized i'd i'd argue that would be less than the number of people who did sign it and so i'd question the not not the intention but the result or the cause or, not, or the effect of something like that and that's where i believe solutions definitely have to be oriented to what will actually succeed and not just what looks good or what gives the best image to an organisation. Yeah, absolutely. As with anything, there's no point. It's quite a simple process, isn't it? Just to go and write a phrase down, put your name on it and say, well, that's, that's me. I've, 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 it's at a very, very simple level, jump on the bandwagon or whatever. And it's, it's good. So absolutely, is is but translating that into sort of actions and and, and, and habits. Um, that's the, the the really important thing. And and it's not just a case of uh, everyone's or not everyone, but large numbers have signed the chart. They're right, ticking the box. Right, move on. Let's next issue. As with a lot of these things, you, you, it, it takes a lot of determination. It takes a lot of perseverance. 
to keep revisiting it and keep revisiting it, keep revisiting it until change is, is, is truly, truly embedded. Um, so, so absolutely. The, the only thing I would say that if, if somebody signs a charter, um, certainly from a school's point of view, and then perhaps they do come out with a comment that's just not acceptable, there is something on which the school can fall back to say, hang on a minute, look, you've written this, you, you've said that you believe in that, and so straight away you've you, you brought something down to a simple, you've said that, but you're not acting in the same way. It then becomes a, a little bit easier um, to, to, to challenge that. What, what um, over the years to... to Various pupils that either, for example, don't want to sign charters, um, which is absolutely fine, or who, when you know, either an assembly or a, a speech is given on a particular issue, some students then articulate the sort of counter argument, and that can sometimes become that that sort of some people are, are saying, oh, they're 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 pretty sort of extreme in their views and things like that, but actually, the the opportunity to air your voice and do it in a, in a um, a, a very intelligent and articulate way in the right place, I think is good because then the issues are being being talked about. And and um, but but on, on the other hand, I guess probably um, was it was it, I think it might have been Einstein who said make make things as simple as possible, but but no more simple. I, I think um, a, a lot of these issues, if we think about the life that we all want to lead, the core values that we all hold true to ourselves. I think just bring it back to that. I think some, sometimes um, we can go off on all sorts of tangents, but actually you've just got to go back to the, the key issue and, and just, it's like treat treat everyone else as you'd like to be respected, treat yourself. And I think if, if, if everyone did that at all times, to be honest, the, the world would be a, a better place. Mm. I think that's what we mean by open dialogue because we want everyone, regardless of their, their view, to be able to give their opinion, even if their views might be considered extreme because it's better the enemy you know than the one you don't. You want you don't want someone who holds very, very extreme views not to be heard because then you'll simply have no idea why they think the way they do, what solutions can be brought to fix their, not fix, but give them more information that might change their viewpoint because we, we know in this country at least there's been a rise in quote unquote nationalist extremism or right wing far right extremism, and so, not to say that our school will have have any issue with that, but sort of having a purely politically correct environment and telling those people they have no voice can can sometimes make the issue worse. But if you'd like to, I I, I would do it's, it's something I feel really really sort of quite quite strongly about it. I think to, to start off with, I think that um, you, you're talking about perhaps some nationalistic and some far-right things. So some of the narratives coming, coming on, on that really do worry me, and it's, I think, reflective of a, of a society that's become far more binary uh, and, and moving moving apart. Um, now, clearly, there's, a, there's a, a, clearly a, a school, it's incumbent on schools, there is potentially a safeguarding aspect of, of if, if some of the narrative is, is coming from, schools have, have got to deal with it in the most in an appropriate way and, and actually to try and understand where's, where's that narrative coming from. Um, 
think some, sometimes it's a case of um, schools and all those that work and even the pupils in them un- understanding a little bit about the narrative and then knowing what where, where to go and get a bit of support. But um, a- absolutely, to, to have freedom of speech, I think to do things in, in the right way um, it is good. And that's where schools and, as, as, as you know, Hamza, things like debating societies where you can actually have a really good intellectual debate about some issues. That's, that's a far better way um, of, of opening up some, some of these views. But uh, as I say, we, we, yes, I'd like to say it's freedom of speech at, at all times. And that, absolutely, that, that's right. But clearly, schools have got a sort of a safeguard responsibility as well to make sure um, that there, there are some views that, that do cause a significant amount of concern. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's, there's a balance to be struck there, as of all things. Moving on, we've seen quite a famous, quite a um, significant grassroots campaign come out of a school in South West London. It was a grammar school. I don't remember exactly which one, but their campaign was based around, um, I think, with the Halo Code. And the Halo Code essentially revolves around hairstyles, in particular black hairstyles, and how sometimes organisations and schools have dealt with dealt with them quite badly and unfairly treated pupils based on a hair type they might not understand. I know some of the pupils at our school have voiced their discontent on how their hair has been viewed and are sometimes been called unprofessional where in a black community it definitely wouldn't be seen as that do you think our school might look at something like the hello code and use that as a basis from which to build new policy on things like black hair i think uh, i think uh, absolutely i'm not not aware of the school that's doing that but i'll certainly be you, you know full well after we finish having this conversation but i'll be i'll be checking checking that out and, and absolutely we'd be open to it what i would say though is in that we actually have, have over the last couple of years actually had to review our school um, uniform dress code um and to make sure that it is properly sort of equitable and, and sort of re- reflects the e- equality um the days of uh, i'm sure you're aware the days of, of schools saying that there is a dress code for boys and a dress code for girls. Um, those days, that, that's challenged. That, that schools don't really have uh, sort of a leg to stand on because of the Equality Act and, and things like that. And so I would say that goes a little bit. It's not just a gender issue, but then that does go to, to hair. I think if you looked at our, our policy on our hair, um, is is now sort of it's slightly more sort of pragmatic and, and based, based around the Equality Act and, and things like that. We, we sort of have a general principle, and especially with some of our older students, of would, would you go to a formal interview um, in dress like that, looking like that, and that, that comes. But what, what, is, what is clearly the case, I sometimes it makes me smile sometimes, that you look at some schools' um, sort of dress code and, and link to haircuts, that they are reflective of the time in which they were written. So sometimes sort of a certain hairstyle is, is not allowed and then sort of obviously that, that stays in place and eventually as fashion sort of goes around in a circle, suddenly, suddenly it comes back in now and again. But 
the bottom the bottom line is um, of course we'll, we'll always look at uh, things like our, our expectations of um, hairstyles and, and things like that and, and crikey what, what better time to, to mention that than in a lockdown where um, <laughs> school, schools have had there's, there's been an absolute range of hairstyles that, that actually um, so, so I think there's a, there's a spirit of really grabbing the opportunity here but what, what I think is it's inherent and I think it's sort of um, I'm sure if there's any um, body that's got an interest and experience of neuroscience, I think the, the adolescent brain is, is geared sometimes to, to seek risk. Um, and I think no matter no matter when, if you go back 5, 10, 50, 100 years, youngsters will seek to get hairstyles that are sort of go, going to cause, sort of raise an eyebrow a little bit. So so we just need to try and, and sort of get, get understanding of, of that. But I think... Um, absolutely sort of what uh, I, I get the point you're, you're saying is that somebody maybe from a uh, sort of maybe an African Caribbean background might have a very very short haircut or might even uh, have a different, different hairstyle in, in entirely actually we, we will look at that and that's that's where the, the, the key thing is the empathy walking in other people's shoes and that's, I think you'll, you'll probably over the last few years you probably quite a few students that we've allowed them to, to reflect their own culture through their hair. Um, so, but, but that's going back to that, as I say, if there's a school that's, that's doing something differently, then absolutely we'll look at it and see whether or not um, it, it's, it's something that we can move, move forward with as, as well. That's good to hear. I, I really do appreciate, and, I, and a lot of the other students will appreciate the way in which our school sort of acts so pragmatically and so quickly to take in the views of their students. So moving towards the end, the point of this podcast is not only to inform people, but also give them a basis from which they can change their opinion. And so we're going to move on to the final bit where we talk about solutions to the issues that we've talked about throughout this episode. And so I'll give you my opinions, then maybe you can give some of your opinions. And so to start off, I think blame should be removed from all conversations because a lot of the, the conversations about race can be fueled by anger, be fueled by sort of past experiences, and there can be an inherent want to place blame on other people. But in doing so, you create more conflict, more confrontation. And I think that it should be all of us as a group moving forward instead of an us versus them. This person needs to change. And there is there is a space for change, but that's with all of us. Even us as minority students can sometimes get things wrong. Also, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Dialogue is so important in changing the narrative, in allowing a better understanding for all of us and it should be central to any type of policy when it comes to talking about race. Also, letting people know when they've crossed the line. I think students should feel more empowered to challenge not only other students but staff sometimes. I know I've been in situations where offhand comments have been made to me and I haven't felt in the in the right position to, to talk back to or a member of staff and told them no you've actually crossed the line here but that's something that 
we should navigate going forward carefully, understanding what counts as a student being rude and what counts as genuine sort of feedback to how they've been treated. And finally, just to make a space where every student feels comfortable. That's the aim of any school or any um, company environment is to make it so everyone feels comfortable in that space. And so that's that's my opinion. I'd like to hear a bit about what you think in terms of solutions. Oh, crikey. Putting put the worlds to rights in a few minutes of, of, of this conversation, Hamza, that, that's going to be tricky. But, uh, but I think certainly if, if nothing else... To, to have more of these discussions is is absolutely important. Um, the, where do I say? Just just picking up the, the various pieces. I, I see where you're coming from with with removing blame from the dialogue. I I, I do see that, and I I think that's a, a that's a really sort of interesting way to look at it. How, however, I'm I. It, it is a deeper problem than, than that. There, there's historical, there's cultural things that that, that are really, really have impacted on, on, on some communities and, and things like that. So, so it's I, 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 I can ideally in a sort of ideal world, yes, we we remove the blame. We're just talking about right. We're moving forwards from here, but inherent in that is. Um, it is actually sort of the, the thing that I, I think to completely remove blame um, will really sort of upset some, some people. So, so generally speaking, I'm, I'm where I'm talking about, I'm talking about some of the issues about some of the removing of statues and things in, in parts of the, 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 the country and part, parts of the world last year. Just to suddenly to say, right, remove the blame. I, I think that that would not necessarily be be a universally accepted sort of view but I, I absolutely get it in a school context um, you're right where I think where these these issues are I think to have open dialogue um, certainly to, to pull people up for, for things that say that just that, that, that are said that, that shouldn't be said absolutely I think they've, they've got to be tackled and, but 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 that that's where it suddenly comes back into where I then swing back to your 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 thoughts are really interesting because just being told that's wrong you can't say that I think perhaps that's a real blame thing that might not actually change somebody's sort of um, understanding you've got to let them understand um, a little bit sorry the phone's ringing there but I'll, I'll uh, carry on um, going there um, but so, so, so I think you've got to get people up to understand because that's how you're going to bring change if, if people can sort of then uh, as we talked about the empathy and walk in other people's shoes understand why it's wrong why that was really offensive to say that I think that's that's uh, certainly the, the, the way forward uh, I think you're, you're saying the challenging comments exactly that I think I've always sort of hinted at that but absolutely we should challenge comments and whether that's from other pupils whether it's from from teachers uh, or adults in, in schools absolutely we've got to challenge that and if, if that's a really difficult one should be a pupil and a, a comment is said how do you go about doing that and I think hopefully my, my advice would be I'd, I'd like to think that every young person in a school has got three or four adults they know they could turn to um, no matter what issue it was whether it's a comment being said whether it's bullying whether it's mental health issues and, and you, you think about those things before they become an issue, then then you know what you're going to do about them. 
we, we've got mechanisms here, sort of app-based anonymous ways of re- reporting stuff. Absolutely, they need they need to be said um, to just to empower people to, to challenge them. And, and, to, and to close off, really, I think your your idea comes about sort of pupils feeling feeling safe, feeling valued in society and in schools. Absolutely, there there is incumbent every single school in this country. Um, as, a, as a duty incumbent on it for pupils to be safe, but more importantly for, for pupils to feel safe. Um, and, and I think that's that that's really important. And I, and I think that I'd, I'd go one one further. The really good schools are where every single pupil feels valued, and I think that's that's really important. Well, I think I think that wraps wraps up the episode for today. It was really really good to speak to you hear your opinion as someone quite senior in the school who deals with the pastoral side of things. Definitely more of these conversations need to be had between students and sort of senior leadership about how schools can actually mould their policies and their viewpoint towards things like race going forward. So yeah, it's good talking to you. And and you, Hamza, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. This, this, This can't be the the end of the dialogue certainly I know that when, when I see you back in school that the dialogue needs to continue because schools can't be complacent we've, we've got to move with the times and we've got to engage and take the young people um, with us but an absolute pleasure speaking to you